Good morning, and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. If you're ever in Uptown Columbus, we invite you to stop by and say hello. We'd love to see you, have you worship with us. We'll make you feel like family. At First Presbyterian, we are family. Learning together, growing together, worshiping together. Please rise for our first lesson, if you are able. It comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 31. Listen now to the word of the Lord. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolishness, foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Consider your own call, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, things that are not reduced to nothing, things that are so that no one might boast in the presence of God. God is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, who, came, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption in order that As it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Out of honor and respect to God's word, once again you're invited to stand. Those who are able, as we hear read, now the words that the choir has just sung in this beautiful anthem. Words known to many of us as the Beatitudes the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel in the fifth chapter. Listen to God's Word speak to your life this morning. 
When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. So far in the story, God's story, the greatest story ever told, we have moved into the New Testament, we have celebrated the birth of Jesus, we have marked His baptism, we have noted His temptation in the wilderness, and now we find ourselves, as we follow this Messiah, the Son of God, who after learning that John the baptizer has been arrested and has been put in prison, comes out. Because the stage has been cleared and all is ready for Jesus to begin His ministry. Jesus comes out preaching this message, the kingdom of God is at hand. Change your life. Change your direction. Change the posture of your heart. Change your minds. Change your life. And Jesus has begun to gather those who would follow him and walking along the beach along the Lake of Galilee, he calls fishermen to follow. Fishermen Peter and Andrew, James and John, and they drop their nets. They leave their livelihood. They leave their friends. And in the case of James and John, they leave their father sitting in the boat. They respond to Jesus' invitation and they follow him. Come with me, Jesus said. I will make you a new kind of fisherman. I'll show you how to catch men and women instead of bass and perch. They didn't ask any questions. They simply followed. And Jesus goes over all over Galilee with, with his disciples now following him, and he's teaching the people, teaching them the truth of God wherever he finds them, wherever they will gather, in many instances, using the synagogue as his gathering place to offer these teachings. And he's teaching about the kingdom of God. That's his theme. That beginning right now, where they were, they are under God's government. And it's a good government. 
It's a government. It's a kingdom of peace, love, and justice. But Jesus wasn't just a talker. Jesus also healed their diseases. Diseases of all kinds. Physical diseases of the body and emotional diseases of the mind and the spirit. He made them whole. He healed them one and all. And more and more people came as word of Jesus and His teachings and His healings began to spread. And they came not just from Galilee. Galilee. They came from all ten of the cities around Galilee. They came from the south, from Jerusalem and Judea. They came from west of the Jordan to hear Him preach, to be healed. And the religious leaders of the churches, they saw what was happening and they said, look, now the whole world has gone after Him. And it seemed as if that were becoming the case. And Jesus also saw the large crowds that He was drawing And it was then that he climbed up a hillside by the lake of Galilee. And those who were following him, the committed ones, climbed with him. And arriving at a quiet spot, Jesus sat down and began teaching them. He sat down. And what follows for the next three chapters in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is known as the Sermon on the Mount. Have you read it lately? That's your homework, by the way. For this week, read the Sermon on the Mount every day and see if the the Word of God is not cracked open in revealing some sweet meat and, and bursting forth with some new illumination in your life. Read the Sermon on the Mount. It'll take you ten minutes, maybe. It may change your life. But this block of teaching... These three chapters are the first in five blocks of teaching in Matthew's Gospel. Five, remembering the Pentateuch. For remember that Matthew is primarily writing to a Jewish audience. So to him and to his readers, establishing Jesus very clearly as the fulfillment of the Hebrew writings and prophecies was so incredibly important. And Matthew, of all the Gospels, quotes the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, more than any, making it clear that Jesus is the fulfillment of all that had come before and was said about Him. It's also most important to establish Jesus as the ultimate teacher in the tradition of Moses, who the Jews believed to be the great teacher. But Jesus had now come and was being shown as the ultimate teacher, the greatest teacher teacher. And here we see Jesus teaching on a mountain as Moses taught from a mountaintop. And when Jesus taught, his posture was to sit. The scripture says when Jesus prepared to deliver his message, he sat down. In the tradition of Moses and the tradition of the rabbis who would sit in the synagogues in the seat of Moses, So when Matthew says that Jesus sat down, it means more than Jesus was taking a load off his feet. It meant, listen up, the lesson is about to begin. And what a lesson it was that Jesus shares. He preaches not as the scribes and the Pharisees. When Jesus opens his mouth, he preaches as one with authority. This is material that they have never heard before. And what are the first words out of Jesus' mouth? 
Is it regurgitated pablum from the synagogue rabbis, the same old, same old? Haven't we heard this sermon before? No. And it was not harsh condemnation that came out of Jesus' mouth either, calling those that were there listening to him a brood of vipers, you know, better than whitewashed tombs, like John the Baptist had chastised his listeners only weeks or months before. No, Jesus begins his message by calling his listeners, those who had gathered to hear him teach that day, by saying, you are blessed. You're the favored ones. You're the happy ones. Jesus teaches them by saying, you are blessed, you are happy. When you are at the end of your rope, how many of you are at the end of your rope? Feeling like there's nothing else to grab and very little to hang on to? You're blessed, you're happy. I see some hands in here. And Jesus says, when there is no more rope, when there is less of you, then there is more of God and His rule in your life. So rejoice. Jesus went on to say, blessed are you, happy are you, when you have lost what is most dear to you. Are any of you grieving? Have any of you lost something dear to you or someone dear to you? Jesus says it is only then that you can be embraced by my Father who is most dear to you. Rejoice in your mourning and in your grief. Jesus said, blessed and happy are you when you are content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment that you find yourselves proud owners of everything that cannot be bought. You are blessed, you are happy. When you have worked up a good appetite for God and the things of His kingdom, be happy because you have found Him to be the only meal that satisfies your hungry soul. And speaking of being thirsty, how's the pollen doing for you guys these days? I'm on a Sudafed, and it, it really it works. It dries me out, but it dries out my mouth as well. Anybody thirsty? <laughs> Jesus said, happy are you and blessed when you care for others, when you find it in your heart to forgive. Have any of you ever been merciful and forgiven the unforgivable? At that moment, you find yourself cared for and know the relief of being forgiven yourself. Happy are you when you get your heart and mind right, Jesus said, on the inside. It's then and then only that you can see God on the outside. And blessed and happy or joyful are you when you show people how to cooperate. And when you get hit and you don't hit back, you don't try to take revenge, when you stop competing and fighting, that's when you discover who you really are, 
my father's child. It's when you discover that you are a child of God. With these words, Jesus stood and preached. And by these words stood everyone on their heads. He went on to say, happy are you when people ostracize you? When they persecute you? When they slander you and utter all kinds of evil against you on my account? Let out a shout of rejoicing because you find yourself in good company with the prophets who came before you. And with these words and many others, Jesus stood people on their heads. As I was reading the Beatitudes again at this season, there's that song that came to my mind. I don't know if you have heard it or not. Uh, Farrell Williams' song, Happy. It's a catchy tune. It repeats a few times, but goodness, I love that little video of people tapping. You know the song that I'm talking about? Go look it up on YouTube, Farrell Williams' Happy, and it says, it might seem crazy what I'm about to say. Sunshine, she's here, you can't take away. I'm a hot air balloon, I could go to space with the air like I don't care, baby, I'm the way, because I'm happy. Clap along with me if you feel like a room without a roof. Clap along if you feel happiness is the truth. Clap along if you know what happiness is to you. Clap along if you feel like that's what you want to do. Here comes bad news talking this and that. Yeah, give me all you got. Don't hold back. Yeah, well, I should probably warn you I'll be just fine. Yeah, no offense to you, but don't waste your time. Here's why because I'm happy. Clap along if you feel like a room without a roof. Clap along if you feel like happiness is the truth. Clap along if you know what happiness is to you. Clap along if you feel like that's what you want to do. And it keeps on going in a catchy tune that is kind of contagious. And maybe what Jesus was saying was rather contagious about happiness, about blessedness. He was turning the known world upside down. Those who had been fighting for breath at the bottom of life's heap suddenly find themselves in a different place, on the top and breathing the fresh air of heaven. And those who had been on the top now find themselves knocked down in a different place and on their backs looking up to heaven from a very different view. When I was a little kid, I was not very good at standing on my head like some other kids in the neighborhood, particularly the girls. The girls could always seem to stand on their head forever, especially Cecilia Smith. She was very special, not only because she could stand on her head forever, but because she was my first kiss. She kissed me, by the way. But I couldn't stand on my head like her, but what I could do was hang upside down in my backyard from my favorite tree from this limb at just the right height at just the right parallel and I would curl my legs over it and I could look at the world upside down and would do that for quite some time maybe that explains the way that I am today because of all that blood that rushed to my head and stayed there for but I digress 
But looking at the world from that perspective, my house seemed like it was in danger of falling off the earth and being propelled like a rocket into space. The world seemed exciting and unpredictable. Trees grew down. And the, the lawn was fringed like my bangs, and the pale sky was where people walked, and I could tap dance on heaven, and anything seemed possible. And what was so shocking about Jesus' teaching that turned his listeners upside down was not the form of what Jesus said, because they were used to beatitudes and blessings of the day about the good life, Sayings like the strong, blessed are the strong for their enemies will fear them. Blessed are the rich for they will never go hungry. Blessed are the wise for they shall not be fooled. The people were used to these kind of teachings. But Jesus, however, redefined the good life in these nine short sayings of the Beatitudes. These nine portraits of kingdom people, God's kingdom, people who were trampled on, laughed at, made victims, and called fools. These are the chosen ones, Jesus says. The poor, the meek, the merciful. And Jesus said they are the blessed ones, the ones who will see God face to face. The poor, the meek, the pure, the mourners, the hungry, the thirsty, the merciful, the persecuted. These are God's favored ones, it has been said. The losers in the world's eyes who would not know success if it came up and handed them a trophy out of the blue. They would be the ones who would probably take that prize and then go and quickly give it to someone else that they thought might need it more than they. And the truth is, most of us don't know what to do with these teachings of Jesus, these blessings. Maybe because we've heard them so often, that they've just turned into sweet words or a little poem or something to be crocheted and hung up above the piano at Grandma's house. The truth is some of us may hear these commandments or hear these blessings as just that, commandments, demands. Be meek. Be merciful. Be pure. Another list of oughts and shoulds in our lives that make us feel guilty or inadequate. But what Jesus is teaching is not do this and then you're going to get that. That's not what the Beatitudes are about. It's not transactional language. It's really descriptive language that Jesus is giving to his listeners. He is speaking to people who are this way now and showing them what the future holds for them in God's kingdom. This is gospel language that Jesus is speaking. This is good news. It's the language of hope and promise that the way things are now, listen, that the way things are now is not the way that they are always going to be. It's good news. It's Jesus is preaching like we hear at other times in his ministry, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he has appointed me to go and preach good news to the poor, release to the captives, sight to the blind. This is good news when Jesus says the first shall be last. Those in the back will be moved to the front and those at the bottom will be moved to the top. Is it radical? You better believe it. 
Is it mind-bending? Certainly. Is it world-altering? Absolutely. And this is the same gospel that's being preached even today around the world. In cinder block churches in Kenya, in, in classrooms at the Foreman Christian College in Lahore, Pakistan, in hospitals in Haiti, in trailer parks in Phoenix City, in clinics on 2nd Avenue, and yes, maybe even in sanctuaries and churches on 1st Avenue. And how we hear these words depends on where we're sitting when we hear them. To some of us who are sitting up at the front and on the top, Jesus sounds pretty confrontational. Because the questions come to us in what Jesus is saying, where's your hunger and your thirst for righteousness and justice? you well-fed Christians? Where is your spiritual poverty in the midst of your worldly wealth? Why aren't your handkerchiefs soaked with tears when you learn of my suffering children? But to those who are in the back, which is where a lot of Presbyterians like to sit, but to those of you in the back, the Beatitudes sound different. To the least and to the lost, they say, shh, dry your tears. The whole earth belongs to you. And although someone else holds the keys at this time, I can assure you that the gates of heaven will be open to you. And the first face that you see will be the face of your heavenly Father. And you will know that you are held by Him. Those who have ears, let them hear, Jesus says. And how we hear also depends on the set of ears that we use as to how we hear the words of Jesus. We may have some choices to make. We can choose to ignore what Jesus says. We can choose to fear what Jesus says and thereby dismiss it. We can, or we can embrace what Jesus says and let His teaching, His words, turn us upside down so that standing on our heads with our feet in the clouds, we cannot see the world in the same way ever again. We can't be sure anymore who the winners and who the losers are. And the poor in spirit, the meek, and those who mourn are not just people we can help, but are people who can help us in their hunger and their thirst for God and His kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven are seen as not as voids to be filled in their lives, but appetites that cause us to envy. And upside down, we begin to see God's blessed ones, God's happy ones, in places that we never thought that we would see them before. After college, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted 
or needed to do with my life or what God wanted me to do. And I had a little wanderlust in me. Many of you know that after college, I decided to go and teach high school in a Harambe school out in the bush of Kenya, Africa. And I went with a little trepidation, but I was young and energetic and a little foolish and ready to serve and ready to go help some people and do good and save the world. I was ready to go minister to some hurting people, but it was there that I had my eyes open to the world and had my world turned upside down. Never had I seen and encountered such poverty in my life. I had seen pictures and read stories, but I saw it firsthand. People that lived with no running water, many times no clean water, no electricity, no plumbing, scarce food, horrible illness, the threat of starvation and death seemed to be looming every day of their lives. But what I also encountered were the most happy people I'd ever met in my life. They were the blessed ones. And what I came to understand and know was that they blessed me. They taught me something about being upside down, about living with my feet in heaven. And it's been true ever since. There have been other times in my life when I have had my feet in the clouds in Haiti, working at a school for handicapped children who did not have eyes or did not have limbs. In the Philippines, seeing people living among one of the largest trash heaps in the world as their home, putting roofs on houses in St. Croix, building houses for people in Mexico who were living in cardboard shacks. But what I've also found is that when our world gets turned upside down, it can look quite funny and different even close to home. When we work on a habitat house right here in Muskogee County or hand out a sack lunch through our ministry at First Presbyterian. Blessed are those who stand on their heads, Jesus said, for they shall see the world as God sees it. It's my prayer that as we continue to follow Jesus and listen to him teach and let his words impact and transform our lives, that we will see the world in a different way as we let the gospel turn us upside down. That we will see the blessed ones and the happy ones as the poor in spirit, the mourning, the meek, the hungry, the merciful, the pure in heart, the trampled on. And that we will see that some of those people may be sitting next to us or in front or behind us. But that as we listen to Jesus and hear his words and they stand us on our heads, that we will find ourselves really in good company, turned upside down, yes, by the only one who knows which way is up. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.